Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoy today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. stand for the reading of the word and won't get this party started. John 12, 1 through 8. I know, I'm a nerd. I mean, the party starts when scripture happens for me. It's okay. It's, I understand that that's different for people, but I love the word. Okay, John 12, 1 through 8. Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. What, what? He raised a man from the dead. He's still raising people today. I'm just saying that. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It's worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was in it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. This is the word of the Lord. Man, why don't you go ahead and join me in prayer. You want to take that too, all your other papers? I don't want those. Thanks. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for today that we could gather together here And Lord, even those that are joining us online, just thankful for everybody. And just thankful that you hear our prayers. God, even as I pray, Lord, knowing what I ask for, you are going to move, you're going to work, you're going to respond to this prayer right now. Lord, I just pray that you'd speak to us again, Lord, move in our lives. Lord, stir up faith, Lord, and I pray that people would see you clearly for who you are, loving God, a loving Heavenly Father who wants to bless us, Lord. And so I just pray God, that we would be a people who experience your blessings so that we can be a blessing to other people. And Lord, I pray that there be a heart of generosity in every every single one of us. Lord, stir in us a greater desire to serve, to be generous in every way we can with our life. I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. And we also pray for the Gonzaga Bulldogs who tip off in just a moment. Help them to continue their winning ways. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. All right, so hey, we're in the uh, last week of the blessed life here. Next week's Easter. Looking forward to Easter. We'll be talking about that a little bit again here in the end, but this is week number four, and I want you to know just up front that God wants to bless you. Please know that. That is who God is. He longs to bless his people. Those of us who have already fully put our trust in Jesus and are following him, we are a child of God. And God loves to bless his heavenly children. That's the type of father that he is. He's a God that just wants to 
bless his kids. And so please know that. I want you to be blessed. We, our church wants you to be blessed. And it's important that we receive all of this knowing that's who God is. Now, God loves us no matter what, even when we make mistakes, even when we're idiots, which we all can be sometimes, right? Aren't you thankful for God's love and his grace no matter what happens, okay? So he always loves us no matter what. His love is unconditional, and that's awesome because we need that, okay? We need his grace. But if you want to grow in experiencing his blessings, it's important for you and I to grow in trusting him and walking in obedience to him, to his teachings, and his word. And I just want you to experience all that God has for you. I want you to be blessed. And so that's why I feel like this series has been so, so important to us. So we're going to get to that John chapter 12 story in just a few moments, but I want to start off by going to Luke chapter 16. Look at a few verses. In Luke chapter 16, verse 13 says, No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And the Pharisees, who loved money, heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, you're the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of men, but God knows your hearts. What is highly valued among men is detestable in God's sight. So we see right here from Jesus' words that he knows what's going on inside of us. God knows our hearts. And this whole issue that we're talking about in stewardship and finances and treasure, it really is a heart issue. We talked about that in the first week. It's all about the heart. So it's a very important introductory message into this series. It's all about the heart. And you and I can actually put up this front, we can actually put up this image that our heart is in the right place, but it's just religious, and our heart can actually have wrong motives. And that's what Jesus is exposing here. Oh yeah, you guys appear to say and do right things, but your hearts are wrong. You have bad motives. And so it's important that you and I don't fall into that same trap, because our hearts can go there. Our hearts can lead us astray, and we can have wrongful, deceitful motives. That can come from our heart, and we can be just like the Pharisees here. There's a book that was written years ago that this guy called it Pharisectomy. He says, lots of people in the church need a Pharisectomy. We need a Pharisectomy in this church. And I think that's so true in regards to us being religious and Pharisaical like the Pharisees. I just thought I'd throw that out there, okay? <laughs> so we can be just like them, unfortunately. And so Jesus, knowing their heart, just, just calls them out. And... Uh, it's one more thing I wanted to, oh yeah, because they're, they're sneering at him. Like that's, like they were literally sneering at Jesus. That's just fascinating to me. Jesus says, you can't love God and money. Like, <laughs> like, serious, like the religious leaders you would think would take that statement and say, yeah, you're right about that. You can't serve money and God at the same time. That would be a good statement for religious leaders and teachers of the law to agree with keeping in line with all of the Old Testament, all that kind of stuff, but they sneered at him, exposing their hearts. So Jesus says we can't serve both God and money. That word money actually is better translated mammon. Maybe your Bible, maybe your translation says mammon. That's a better translation of the word. Now, what's interesting about this is this is the only time in Scripture you'll see God compare serving him against something specifically. 
Now, throughout Scripture, you'll see God say, you know, don't have any other gods before me. We shouldn't have idols. We can make an idol of anything in our life and put it above God, and we can worship that. But specifically, he points out comparing serving something else against him. He's like, you can't do that. Like, Jesus could have chosen any example. And we want to be generous in every area of our life, okay? Not just finances, which is what we'll, we'll talk about both of those things today, but being generous in every area of our life, amen? But Jesus specifically chose money or mammon in this to juxtapose serving that versus serving God. And I think he's very intentional in choosing that because he knows that mammon can be a big issue for us. Now, mammon, this is way deeper than just money itself. Mammon is actually an Aramaic word that means riches, and it's a reference to the Syrian god of, of riches. So Jesus is likely referring to this false god that they all knew about, they had heard about. This was a god that came from Babylon. If you know anything about Babylon, in the Tower of Babel, they, they wanted to build that tower to God. They wanted to get to heaven, to God themselves. And we can still fall into that same thinking today where we think, I don't need God to get to heaven. Or I can just do good things and God will accept me in the end and I don't need to really follow God or believe in him. And I can do this on my own. That's what mammon or a spirit of mammon will cause us to think and how it will cause us to live. Like I'm fine without God. The spirit of mammon directly opposes the spirit of God. It is a prideful spirit that attempts to replace God in our life. Mammon says... Buy and keep, but God says sow and reap. Mammon says cheat and steal, but God says give and receive. And many of us grew up looking to mammon, whether we realized it or not. We looked to mammon as our source of provision and security, even identity. If you found yourself thinking things like, if I can just have this, then I'll be good. If I can just make this much money, if I can achieve this, if I can provide this for my family and my kids, then I will feel good about myself. All of those things are spirit of mammon. And mammon wants to replace God in our life. Mammon wants to rule. So this is why Jesus says you can't serve both. So you're going to serve God or you're going to serve mammon. You see, mammon actually promises everything that only God can give us. It promises everything that only God can give us. Now, there's this popular gospel out there. Maybe you've heard about this prosperity gospel. It's not a gospel that we would preach here. Uh, I believe that God wants us to prosper. That's part of blessing. God wants to prosper you. He has plans of prosperity, Jeremiah 29, 11. He wants to bless you, but the prosperity gospel takes it too far in that it says you give to get something. That's why you give. And so we're this whole series is about give to give because this is who God is. God's generous. We're, we want to be generous like God. So you give to give, not give to get. In fact, we preach a kingdom gospel here because we see that's what Jesus taught, and that's what he talked about was his kingdom. His kingdom is here. His kingdom is now. And so when you and I say yes to Jesus and follow Jesus, we are saying, you're my Lord. You're my Savior. I'm in a relationship with you now. I've stepped into your kingdom. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. And in that place, there's only one king. And it's not you or me. It's Jesus. It's King Jesus. I'm following him. I'm trusting him. It's all about him. And so we preach a kingdom gospel where you and I live in submission to King Jesus, and that's how we experience this tremendous freedom that we have in Christ. It's opposite of what the kingdom of the world would teach. The kingdom of the world would teach, do whatever you want, uh, 
whatever feels good, that's what you go after, that's freedom. But freedom is actually found in trusting and submitting to Jesus and following him. And then you experience the freedom that he has for you. It's this amazing thing that you can only experience in his kingdom. So we preach a kingdom gospel. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that even next week on Easter. Anybody excited for Easter? Yeah, Yeah, come on. I'm just going to excited. That's why I throw that out there. So the prosperity gospel teaches give to get. So if you give, then you're going to get stuff from God. Like you're going to get the nice house. You're going to get the Mercedes. You're going to get the Rolex, whatever it is that you want to get. That's what you're going to get. And so that's prosperity gospel. And unfortunately, that, that feeds a spirit of mammon. Because what we're doing is we're using God to get what we want. In fact, it kind of feeds this whole, like, I don't really want you, God. What I want is other stuff, and so I'll believe in you, and I'll give to you so that you get me the stuff that I really want. And that's a scary place to go to. Jesus is the goal. He is the treasure. He is the prize. He is who we want. And so we give just to give and to be closer to him and to be like him. And so the, the prosperity gospel, unfortunately, feeds the spirit of mammon. And you'll see it played out when, when the thing breaks down, when things break, when the finances go away, you lose the job, lose the money, and then they're mad at God. Like, God, I thought this was all going to work. Like, all I have to do is give, and I get, right? That's this, it's like God's a vending machine. And so we, when that all falls apart, then we're mad at God, and people can even wander away from the faith as we'll look at in the scripture here in just a few moments. And so that's a scary place to be. So we've got to understand that mammon actually promises everything that only God can give us. We long for security, all of us. We long for happiness and joy and peace. Only God can give us this. Mammon promises it. We think that we can, if we get all this stuff and make a little bit more money or a lot more money, then we'll be fine. We'll get all that. But only God can provide that. Only God can give you your good, healthy sense of identity. I, I pray that you would find your identity in him, your security and your hope and your joy and your peace in God. Because that's true peace. That's true hope. Okay, You can't find that from mammon. So if we find that mammon's an issue for us, we got to break it. we got to break that spirit of mammon over our life by giving, by being generous. I think the quickest way to break mammon on our life is to tithe to God. You begin to tithe and you watch that break over your life. I promise you. You begin to give, and you have this understanding as we've been looking at in Scripture that this 10%, God says, that belongs to me. It's, it's mine. And so, okay, God, I give you what is yours. And as I do that and walk in obedience to God's word, it's amazing the shift and the transformation that happens in my heart through that. Like, all of a sudden, God's breaking mammon over my life. This is why people struggle with this, with giving and generosity is because we're selfish, And mammon has a stronghold on us. We want to break that over our life. And the quickest way to do that is really to to tithe to God. See, mammon wants to steal your ability to trust in God. But we want to trust in God in every area of our life. Mammon wants to rule, like I said. It wants you to trust in it. But put your hope in God. Put your trust in God. Let God rule and reign in your life. Now, we got to say this. Money's not bad, right? Money's not bad. It's not bad or wrong to make money and even to make lots of money. In fact, some people are gifted to make money. And that's a gift. I mean, the Bible even talks about it. They're gifted to make money. And they can be a blessing to other people through that. They can, they can help fund 
the, the vision, with their provision, they can help fund the kingdom and, and their local church through all of that. It's, 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 there's nothing wrong with making money. And some of you, as I even talk about that, you're thinking, I want that gift. Like, is that, is that really in the Bible? I want, I want the gift of making money. God, would you give me that gift? I could, sir, use that gift just right now, Lord. Bring it on, okay? So <laughs> um, it, is, it is a gift. Now, the truth is this. We're all blessed by God to be a blessing. All of us. That's a part of the Abrahamic blessing as we are in the lineage of, of Abraham still today. As children of Father Abraham. God wanted to bless the nations through Abraham. We still are a part of that commission. That, in a sense, is connected to the great commission that Jesus said, go and make disciples. We are, want to be a blessing to the nations. And so you and I are blessed in so many ways to be a blessing to the people in the world around us. And some people just have a gift or have, are blessed with more money than others. This is why we don't want to get caught in the comparison trap. I wish I had that. I wish I had more. No, no, no. You just be thankful for what God blesses you with and seek to be a blessing the best you can with whatever, wherever you're at. But some people are gifted in that, and they can be a blessing to the kingdom. They can, they can help fund it. And so that's a good thing. God wants to use those types of people as well. It's a gift. Okay, so some people think money's bad, though. That's, that's where I started with that. Money's not bad. It is morally neutral. But it can become bad if it becomes mammon in our life. But some people think that money just in and of itself is just bad. Like God's anti-money, and some people would even view it that way. Like, you know, to even try to make more money, that's a bad thing. No, God's not anti-money. And some of that comes from a misquote or a misunderstanding of 1 Timothy chapter 6. So let's look at verses 9 and 10. 1 Timothy chapter 6 says, Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. It can happen. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, but some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. That can happen if we're not careful. Money and getting more money can actually bring you more problems. Many griefs. Pierce, you can pierce yourself with that desire and chasing after that with many sorrows. In fact, you can even lose your salvation. You can wander away from the faith. As Paul is saying, he has seen happen all because of money or mammon. So, but money's not the issue. It's what this verse would say. It's the love of money, right? That's the issue. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So it doesn't say money's the root of all evil. No, it says the love of money is the root, not of all evil, but of all kinds of evil. So that's the issue is when you and I love money, then it's becoming mammon in our life. So loving and serving mammon, you could say, is the root of all kinds of evil. Now, Jesus, he had 12 disciples, right? And he lost one of them. Which one was it? It was Judas, right? Judas Iscariot was the one that he lost. He didn't make it, unfortunately. And Judas had a mammon problem. You can see very clearly in that story that we read in John chapter 12. And so let's go back to that John chapter 12 story, and let's look at this. So you see Mary coming to Jesus, pouring this perfume or this oil all over Jesus, using her hair to, to wipe out his feet. Like she is giving an extravagant offering to Jesus. And so we see 
her heart in giving there, right? But we also see Judas's heart in giving the same time. And it's a completely different heart. Because Judas is like ticked off. Like, he's upset. He's judging her. He's like, how dare, why should, she should not do this. Isn't it interesting that this extravagant gift of love to Jesus upset Judas? And an exposed mammon was an issue in his heart. And again, guys, if we're not careful, we can go there. And we can look at other people's actions and think they're doing that. Well, they just have, a, you know, that's wrong. They should do that. They should do this. They should do that. And, and honestly, what's wrong is our heart. Isn't it interesting that one of Jesus' disciples looked at somebody and judged her wrongly? Jesus praised her, but judged her wrongly. And we can go this, we can look at people and judge them wrongly because there's an issue in our heart if we're not careful. So, Judas is upset, and he's like, why wasn't this given to the poor? Okay, so let's go ahead, and uh, we'll look at that, that verse there, verse 5 and 6 of John chapter 12. As we look, I mean, two different hearts towards giving here, very clearly, right? A heart of generosity by Mary and a heart of selfishness by Judas. Hey, remember we talked about in first, the first week? We're born selfish, but we're born again, generous, and I just love that God does that. We're naturally born selfish. Like, you don't have to teach your kids how to be selfish. They just do it. It just comes right out. Like, you don't have to train them in that way at all. You got to train them to be unselfish, right? And so that's kind of a natural thing. But when we're born again, we're born again generous. And, and we long to be generous. Our spirit, man, wants to be generous. That's why we need to be uh, transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we can continue to move and grow in that generosity because we can drift back into selfishness very easily, especially if mammon's an issue in our heart, right? And so kids love to say words like mine over and over again. And they think everything's there. It's just a two or three-year-old will think everything's theirs, right? Even if it's not. That's mine. I saw it before you did. It's mine. <laughs> you know, and so it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. You know, what's interesting about that is God says about the tithe, he says, that belongs to me, it's mine. He uses the same word there, interestingly enough, but God wants us to know from him that there is something that actually does belong to him. But we kind of tend to think, well, that's mine, and we can be just like a little kid and have that selfishness in our, with our treasures, with our stuff. So, okay, to verse five here of John chapter 12. This was the response of Judas again. Let's look at it. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It's worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Wow. <laughs> Judas stole out of the money bag for himself. And here he is judging somebody else who's giving extravagantly to Jesus. You know, maybe you've found yourself thinking things similar to this. Why didn't they should do that? They should do this. They should have, they have that nice car. They should sell that car and give to the poor and have a, a, a lesser nice car. Like mine is kind of what we're thinking. <laughs> and what we're really thinking is, I'd like to have that car, but they, you know, you know, and so we can find ourselves thinking things like this. Why do they, they pay all that money for that, that house and all that? I'll bet you they're just stingy, selfish people. 
They could be the most generous people ever. You just don't know. We can find ourselves thinking these things, though, just like Judas. See, as long as we can say someone else is doing something they shouldn't be doing, then we don't have to look inside to see if we're selfish. Right? So Judas was one of those guys that would sneak money out of the bag. He was selfish. You ever thought to yourself, why did Jesus make Judas the treasurer of the disciples? Like, what was he thinking there? Jesus, you're supposed to be smart. Like, you're like the God man. And you chose Judas to handle the money. Did you ever think that was a bad idea, Jesus? You know, and so we know that Jesus had a traveling ministry. He traveled around and people gave, supported his ministry so they could travel around and minister. And so Judas was the guy that took all of that and guarded it and watched over it and apparently stole out of it. That's what he did. And so you think, Jesus, did you know? What were you thinking? So do you think, did Jesus know that Judas was doing this, that he was going to do this? Well, actually he did. Even a couple years before this, Jesus looked at his 12 disciples. He says, hey, I've chosen you, the 12, yet one of you is a devil. Okay, so he knew. <laughs> All right. So I just wish, I just would love to, hear, to wonder and see, what do those guys think in that moment? He's like, I chose you guys. Oh, thank you. One of you is a devil. Oh. Okay. You know, it's... <laughs> And so he even knew years before that it was going to be Judas. So why did Jesus allow Judas to handle the money? And I think because he just wanted to give Judas a chance. He's given him an opportunity. You know that God won't tempt us, but he will test us. He, he gives us tests, which are opportunities to see, are we going to really trust him? Are we going to walk in obedience to him, his teachings? to his word. This is a test to see, just to give Judas a chance. I love this. I love the heart of God in this, that he gives people a chance. This is something that I just love to do. I don't know if this is a gift that God has given, but I love to just believe in people and give them chances and give them opportunities and, and, and let them rise to the occasion given the opportunity. Sometimes it's come back to bite me in, in really bad ways. Sometimes I've believed in people and supported people, and other people were mad at me for believing in those people, and all that, you know, and so then it comes, you know, I just love to fault to believing in people. That's kind of my heart, because I see Jesus doing that right here. Like, Jesus still gave Judas a chance. He gave, let's give people a chance. Let's, let's operate that way, because Jesus did, in just in grace, in giving people opportunity. I love that. You see this, this grace in Jesus, giving him a chance. Unfortunately, Judas didn't make it, though. So he pulled money out of the offering. Who knows how often? Who knows how much? And you think if we were to pass the bucket around, we used to pass the bucket around for the tithes and offerings. So if we pass the bucket around, how many of you would reach in and grab some money out of that? Right there? Hey, sweet, I'll take some of that. How many of you guys would do that? <laughs> how many of you have thought about that before? No, I'm just kidding. You don't have to raise your hand. But how many people withhold giving to God and keep it in their bank account. And according to scripture, what's the difference? Because God says we rob him by withholding and, and, and Judas robbed by stealing. So what's the difference? It's the same thing, robbing and stealing. It's the same thing, taking or withholding. And this is why we can't allow mammon to have a grip on our life. We want to break that. We want to be generous and not selfish. A heart of generosity. So, you know what's interesting is years ago, 
there's this kid in our youth ministry that got saved, and he was given his testimony about how Jesus had changed his life. And we were on a ministry tour in California. Vanessa, you, were, you might even remember this, Vanessa. You were there. Uh, but this kid is tearing, telling the story about how Jesus, you know, basically saved him. He, he grew up in church his whole life, heard about Jesus, but then he had this moment of radical salvation where God just rocked his world. And God became real in that moment, and he started serving Jesus. So he's sharing this testimony about how Jesus has changed his life, even though he was someone who grew up in the church. And he says, I was the guy that I would steal money out of the youth ministry offering bucket when it went by. And he says, I did it quite a bit. And he, like, I've never heard anybody confess publicly. Like, you, like, that was part of his testimony. He's like, before Jesus, this is who I was. I stole money from the youth ministry offering. <laughs> and now I'm, Jesus has changed my life. I don't do that anymore. Good, I'm glad. I wanted to ask, like, how much did you steal? Did you pay that back? Like, how much are we missing because of you, buddy? You know, but hey, just glad Jesus changed your life. I never did ask him that. I never talked to him about that. But I just never heard someone publicly confess, yeah, I did that. That was me. And it was kind of funny in, in the moment. But it also was kind of cool just to see God was changing his heart. All right, so we want to be generous, not selfish. We want to give. We want to bless. I pray that that heart would be in us and that people would see that, sense that, and experience that from us. This is Mary right here. Mary's given an extravagant offering, wouldn't you say? How much was this worth, this, what she, this bottle of perfume, this oil? It was worth an entire year's worth of money. Like if you work on your job for your entire year, that's how much money it was worth. That's pretty extravagant, right? How many of you would give your entire year's worth of salary? That's what Mary is doing in this moment. And you never know. God may speak to you sometime to give extravagantly. To give some people, I've heard them call this not an extravagant offering, but a painful offering. <laughs> uh, but you just give extravagantly. And if God is speaking that to you and you obey, I promise you, you'll be blessed. And I've heard of people giving even more than a year's salary. And God just, just blessed them and took care of them. You, you and I just want to get to the place where we can trust God. If he's speaking those things to us that we just will obey, knowing that it is a joy and it's a blessing to be able to do what I sense God is speaking to me to do. I just pray that we're spirit-led people in how we handle every area of our life, including this. So Mary, she's given extravagantly. It's a year's worth of money, and that's a lot. And so you can see where Mary's heart is clearly in this, right? She loves Jesus. She is all in with Jesus. Remember Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And you can see Jesus is her treasure. And that's the goal is that it's all yours. I'm all about you, Jesus. I just, my heart is yours. And out of that, that's how we handle everything in our life. So when you look at Scripture, you can see there's three types of giving, or really three levels of giving throughout Scripture. There's the tithe, there's offerings, and then there's extravagant offerings, which we see that in this story. But the tithe, we talked about that several times in the, story, or in the series, just you know, giving God back what he says, the tithe belongs to me. So it's, okay, God, I'm trusting you with this. I'll walk in obedience to you in this. I'm going to do this. And we give that to our storehouse, our local church. I think we should give it undesignated because when I try to designate my tithe, that's me attempting just to control it. I want to tell you, God, how to use this and, and church, how you need to use this. 
it's not, if I give it undesignated, it's this posture of it's not mine anyway. So God, use this to bless your kingdom, my local church, ministries, and people in our city and our community. Okay, so, but then if you want to give specifically, you give, you can do that, and I would say do that above and beyond with offerings. Because I, I know people in our church that have given specifically to projects, to people, just offerings above and beyond. What's interesting is statistics tell us that more than 90% of Christians don't tithe. They don't get to that place of trusting God with the tithe. And that breaks my heart because of the blessing they're missing out. I promise you, God will do a transformative work in your life as you begin to trust God more and more in this area. Maybe you just need to start somewhere. But when you look at scripture, that first level of obedience really is that tithe unto the Lord. It is holy to the Lord is what he says. So there's a tithe and there's the offerings and there's extravagant offerings. Mary's given an extravagant offering. You see that all throughout scripture. You see it a lot in the New Testament where they give way more. Like Mary's given way more than just a tithe here. This is a year's worth of money that she's given away essentially. King David, when he gave to the temple, it was equivalent to $21 million of today's money. That's a lot of money still for today. Like, we haven't had anybody give $21 million to Rivers Church yet. Yet. I'm believing for it. I'm praying for it. Come on, you know how much of a blessing we could be to our city? I mean, I have ideas and dreams that I feel like God has stirred within us already. We for sure would pray about it. And, and, Go to God with that. But I have some pretty good ideas of what we could do with $21 million to bless our city and to minister to our community through that. Uh, man, even a million dollars would be great because we could pay off our, our mortgage and be debt-free because we still owe on that school building over there. That would be an amazing thing as well. It hasn't happened yet, but I'm believing for it. But extravagant offerings isn't only about a lot of money because it really is in proportion to what's a lot for you where you're at right now. There's an interesting story where Jesus gathers his disciples and he actually says, come over here and watch this lady give. Which we think giving is a private thing. It's only me and God and no one else should know. And Jesus gathers disciples. Let's watch this and see how she gives. And there's some accountability in that, by the way, which is okay. And he says, see this widow? This widow, she just gave two mites. And that was extravagant for her. That was her showing that she's all in and trusting God. And her heart loved God more than anything else. It's not about amount, but extravagance is really this, this, this higher level of like, okay, God, I'm going to trust you in this. And God may speak to you. He will speak to you at times throughout your life. And my encouragement to you is just trust him and walk in obedience to whatever that is. It's happened to me several times. And uh, me and Amy as well, we're just given above and beyond and, and given extravagantly. And it's amazing how God always takes care of you. He always provides. It really is a step of faith. It's an issue of faith for us, isn't it? There was a season where Amy and I stepped out in faith. It was right before we came here to Phoenix. And we stepped away from our last position at our last church, sensing that God was leading us in this direction to be lead pastors of a church somewhere, but we had no idea where. I don't know if you've ever done this before, but have you ever walked away from a paycheck into nothing? It's just this step of faith. It was like, okay, God, we sense you're in this. We need to do this, but here we go, and I have a family and a house and a mortgage, and I'm just going to trust you through this. It was scary, but an amazing 
season of faith for us, guys. Huge. Wouldn't you know, as we took that step, we began to get phone calls from camps. People want us to speak at camps. And both me and Amy getting these opportunities, speaking at churches, pastors on vacation, come speak at our church. It just was, God just began to open the door for me just to minister at different places. And it was providing for our family through that. It was such a blessing. It wasn't quite enough money for us, so I was still looking for a little side job, a little side hustle to make a little bit more so we could just fully provide and pay the mortgage. I'm trying to sell my house for like eight months this whole season, and, and the real estate guy said, your house will sell like this, you know, and I'm like, six months later, I'm like, this, huh? Where's this? Come on, buddy, come on. Let's open house again this weekend, you know, and so, you know, it's just every month pass, I'm paying the mortgage again, and the house isn't selling. I, I can't get another job to make sure we're making it. And so I just hired myself to be an Uber driver because that was pretty easy. And so I drove Uber all over Seattle and that was fun. And I have fascinating stories from that that I could share someday. But through that whole season, it was really a crazy season of testing, trusting and faith as we were getting down through the fall. Like there was one point in the summer where a church offered us a, a job. They wanted us to be their pastors. And I just didn't sense that God was in it. I've never really talked about this publicly before. It's the first time I'm kind of open up and sharing this whole journey of our life. But it was an interesting season. It was a great church, healthy church, debt-free. It was just amazing, you know? And I didn't sense God was in it. And Amy's like, are you sure? And I'm like, I, I just don't think this is the right place for us. And she's like, are you sure? Because we don't, like, remember, we don't have a job, okay? So I just want to make sure you're sure, okay? And I'm like, I just say, yeah, I'm sure. I don't sense God is in this for us. And I said no to a paycheck, but I just wanted to trust God for the right thing, the right place, the right time. Months continued to go by, and we ended up coming here. And I'll never forget when I moved my family into this house that we rented over off of Bell and 17, Highway 17, on January 1st, 2015, because we barely made it financially but we made it. All through that time, I'm trusting God. I'm tithing on the little money that I'm making. I'm watching my bank account go completely away. Like we were at a place where we were gonna lose all of our money and so I had to get a renter into our house because I couldn't sell it. And move in with my parents and just trusting God. So we end up here and in the month before coming here though, someone gave us some money. They just mailed a check to us. They have no idea how they helped our family. There's no way I could have gotten into that rental without that check because it became our first month's deposit uh, to be able to get into that house that we rented for a couple years before being able to finally sell our house up there and move into a house here. Those people felt like God was speaking to them to be generous to us. It's humbling to be on the receiving end of generosity, but it's just amazing how God just uses those moments to see, to show you, see, I got you. I got you. And I'm telling you guys, we barely made it here, but we made it. And all the while, God is just showing us, I'll take care of you. Even if you don't have a lot, I'll take care of you. And God did a huge work in our hearts. But I just say that to say, you never know who's going to be blessed on the other side of your generosity. As God speaks to you, and maybe you sense and feel this, you just never know how that's going to impact their life. 
Let's be people who default to, yes, Lord, I'll obey and I'll give and I'll be generous. Because again, guys, this goes to every area of our life, right? Every area of our life. So let's, let's finish this story here and bring us to a home here. Today's, today's Palm Sunday. Did you know that? It's Palm Sunday. This is the day where Jesus came in on the, on the cult, triumphal entry. Everybody sang and shouted, Hosanna. We sang a song that said that just earlier, which means come and save. And so they're worshiping the Messiah. Jesus, you're the Messiah. Hosanna, come and save us. And then the week ended up a little differently than they had hoped. They thought Jesus was coming to, to establish the kingdom. He did, but it looked differently than what they thought he was going to do because that same crowd five, di- five days later said, crucify that guy. They wanted to crown him on Sunday, but they yelled, crucify him on Friday, and he died. And so we're entering into Holy Week here, Passion Week. It's a very significant week in the life of a Christian. I'd encourage you to read through the, the Holy Week, read through the Passion Week, all the stuff that happened the last week of Jesus' life up to the cross. Very cool. But this story in John chapter 12, I say all that to say this. The story in John chapter 12 is the day before. It's Saturday, the day before Jesus' triumphal entry. Little did Mary know that what she was doing was not just an extravagant act of worship and generosity, but it was preparation for what was about ready to take place. Because Jesus says in, in verse 7 there, this was intended for the day of my burial. So he was going to die so quickly they weren't going to be able to prepare his body and oils and all that kind of stuff. This was the moment that signified and essentially even started what we now call Holy Week or Passion Week. As the next day was going to be the triumphal entry. Mary gave extravagantly, not even understanding the depth of the spiritual significance that was going on there. Isn't that fascinating? But why did Mary do this? Why would she give that much? Why would she give that extravagantly? Well, remember, it talks about her brother in the story, Lazarus. Her brother, Lazarus, was dead. And Jesus called him out of the grave. You think Mary was thankful for that? Probably a lot. And so here's Mary just like, I'm so thankful for Jesus. I'm all in for Jesus. That's why she would give that much. She had seen her brother die and seen Jesus raise him back to life. It's out of that gratitude. It's out of that remembrance. And don't you and I forget what Jesus has done for us because we were dead, right? The Bible talks about, Ephesians talks about we were dead, but now we're alive in Christ. We were dead in sins and our trespasses, but now we are alive in Jesus. He brought us to life. Our spirit was dead. It is now alive. And that's out of this gratitude. We keep connecting that every week in this series. It's out of this gratitude for all that Jesus has done for us, set us free from slavery, brought us from death to life, that we give extravagantly and generously to God and other people. That's why she's doing this. And I pray that we would not forget that he has done so, I mean, he's done even more for us. Like it'd be cool to see someone raised from the dead physically, but Lazarus still died, right? What's more important is that Lazarus knew and trusted Jesus so he could have eternal life with Jesus. That's way more important. And Jesus has given you eternal life, friends. He has saved you. You don't have to worry about death because Jesus has got you for all of eternity. Out of a grateful heart, we give and we're generous. So I want to end with just one more scripture that came to my mind here this morning in pre-service prayer that we had here this morning at 8.15. Proverbs 11. I love these two verses in Proverbs. 
24 and 25, one man gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper and he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. I love that. Generosity will bring prosperity into your life in many ways, different shapes and forms. But you need refreshing? Let me just encourage you to step out and refresh other people because he who refreshes others, he himself will be refreshed. I promise you. See, people won't necessarily remember what you say to them, but they will remember how you made them feel. Are you refreshing? Are you encouraging? Are you generous in what you are giving and how you're treating people? That's the goal. It is a holistic thing. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.